brought you to this journey. From no running, within three years, I'm going to run. One of the best executed 100 miles that I've seen in person. Hello, it's Paul. I hope you're doing okay and your running is going well if you do indeed run. We've had some great feedback from people who aren't runners, funny enough, and we've always hoped that this podcast is more about life challenges than it is about training advice or race results. So into today, if you've been listening to the rest of the series, this is the final episode, and it's a bit of a bonus really. The whole series has been centred around a process or some techniques for helping yourself get out of an issue when you're racing or training, or as I already said, when you're maybe facing any kind of life challenge. The approach we talked through already we call attack. The episodes are in order, so you can go back and listen to longer explanations for A-T-A-K. But in summary, first was awareness that you have a problem. Second was thinking, that that was about considering the options that you have. The third was action, so making a decision to try to improve the situation in some way and being quite energetic and clinical about that. And that leaves the last one, which we called kick-ass. And that's about changing your whole mindset when your head has been down, you've worked out the problem, you've considered a new approach and you've started moving on that. It's really an attitude and it can take you on to fundamentally changing your experience. So in the last episode, James and I talked through the last part of the approach and we went into some detail where we've made it work for us and where we haven't maybe had the same awareness or control to make it work well for us. So we know the theory is good, but it can be really easy to stall at any step. So what more do we have to really talk about? Um, How can we improve the learning for anyone who's been held back when things didn't go to plan? Well, rather than just listen to James or me, and I'm sure you might have some views on either of us thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, Paul, you've probably not had the same kind of challenge that I've faced in a race. I get it. We thought it'd be great to maybe hear from some of our athletes. So firstly, if you like a quick read, we have a blog up at the moment on pylonultra.com from Alan, who talks about how attack may or may not apply to him in life and in dealing with bipolar. It's a really great read. He's been really open with us, so please check that out. It's definitely uh, worth a five-minute five minute read. Uh, and then we've invited Ali McCall on today to talk about his own views on attack. Ali is coached by John, so he'll know him better than we do, but it kind of struck me that Ali has two great examples that might help us to better illustrate our points on attack. So let's get going. James is here in interviewer mode and I'm really looking forward to letting you hear from Ali, who's been a huge character in the Pylon family. If anyone has ever been to one of our XP events, you'll definitely remember Ali. So here is episode six of the Pylon Ultra Pod. Hi James, how are you doing? It's been a busy time for you. You must have enough air miles now to take your entire extended family to South America. Oh, and their cousins and their dogs and their cats, Paul. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a bit of travelling um, with work and personal life recently, and I think I've only had one week of the last seven or eight where I've slept in my own bed um, for the full week, yeah. and it's the same for the next seven or eight going forward. Anyone who's fallen or no, um, I'm training for the Toronto Marathon, but I've got um, a number of work trips to Ireland and Utah and stuff ahead as well. So it's been really busy, but managing to fit all the training in and 
getting stuff done, which is what we do here, right? We It's part of the reason why we do what we do is um, in terms of both the coaching and the training is to make the things balanced. So it's been really good. If a bit frenetic, I do miss my own pillow sometimes. How are you doing, Paul? I'm okay, mate. It's been a kind of tough time for training for you, hasn't it? Because like you say, you've been getting the sessions done, but I, I definitely see some some changes in energy levels at times just with you managing all that travel and um, moving about quite so much and then all busy at work, obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah. The big danger is, is like, you know, that, that classic thing, the most important part of training is recovery and rest and f- making sure that I get sleep has been a challenge sometimes. So we've had to adapt on the fly a wee bit, which has been been good to have that agency, but also important not to get greedy with trying to squeeze miles in when actually an extra hour in bed might be more important. Yeah, yeah, you've done a good job so far. So um, I hope people have been reading, following James's blog. He's been doing a blog for us inside out on pylonultra.com, um, just giving us a kind of weekly update on his training um, as he moves towards Toronto. Definitely worth a read. Uh, now, shall we crack on to the main course? I'd like to welcome and reveal, um, not physically, obviously, Ali McCall to everyone. Hi, Ali. How you doing? I'm good, Paul. Hi, it's uh... Pleasure to be here. I don't think I've ever been described as a main course before. I'm obviously mostly dessert uh, when people are describing me, but no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> dessert. You're like a nine-course taster menu, Ali. Uh, that's what yeah, people are going no, to get today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Tom Kitchen. You are the Tom Kitchen of podcasting, Ali. Um, now, Paul and I obviously know you, right? Um but why don't you yeah. tell us, and by us I mean the, the listeners, um, who you are and what does your life look like and what are the things you really care about most? Give us a bit about yourself. Uh, well, okay, how do you how do you summarise uh, 43 years, I guess? Uh, we, probably <laughs> don't go, go, <laughs> we probably don't need to go into the depths. We'll keep it, you know, uh, in line with what the podcast is all about, you know, which is us as an ultra-running community. Um but um, yeah, I mean, you know, family man uh, first, um, then uh, a runner second, um, and uh, then obviously everything that goes along with that, just uh, providing for, for both of them as best I can. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to, try to make my way through this a journey of uh, running um, and life as best I can, you know, picking up as many lessons on the way and then applying, uh, you know, the mistakes of other people, believe it or not, are, are probably more valuable to me than, than anything else. Uh, and um, I guess uh, just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually in like a bit of a period of transition just now with lots of things. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I've got you know a new job. Um, just now, I've actually been—I think I'm in my third job in the last three years. Having previously been in the same job mm-hmm. for twenty-three years, um, so yeah. I think the the uh, actually the one other the two staple things, I guess you know, what I mean, uh, in my life at the moment are my, my family and, uh, and my running, which is kind of keeping me keep me sane 
And you're kind of lucky, aren't you? Your 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 family's pretty supportive of your running because I've uh, I've spent some time in their company and uh, uh, they're pretty supportive as well as constantly taking the taking the Michael too, which has been fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's the it's a bit of a uh, you know sometimes sympathy sounds like laughter, right? Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm fortunate enough that I've, I've got good people around me uh, to help me. Do things I do, and that's what you know. I think when you look at the amount of time and effort that you you put in outside of the normal day to day, just to even uh, have the ability to turn up at some of the things that a lot of people out there just want to turn up to, never mind perform at a high level. Then uh, you know you need to have that kind of level of support. Sympathy sounds like laughter. That has absolutely got to be the title for the podcast, Ali. I've never heard that phrase before, but I understand why you might resonate with that. Um, it's really interesting to hear you're going through a lot transition. There's obviously a lot on, and the stability of 23 years career, and then obviously the, the number of changes, it can be a bit discombobulating. Um, in this mm-hmm. podcast, when we talk in the Pile and Ultra podcast, it's not necessarily just about your running, but how running complements life. So I want to hear about your running career, but first, I'd maybe like to hear a little word. How has running helped with all that um, instability? That might be the wrong phrase, but, you know, all that changing in movement happening elsewhere in your life. Yeah. Has running been no. uh, helpful? Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. Um, so there's there's something about the comfort blanket of a structure that comes with having a training plan as well. Um, and despite everything else and whatever else is going on, you know, I've still got that. I've still got, you know, I still know I'm going to open up my training peaks and I'm going to see what sessions I'm doing for that week, right? Uh, You know, whether there's any sort of flux or uh, ambiguity about anything else, then I know that I'm still going to be, I'll still have a long run this week, or I'll still have, you know, my whole rep session, which is, you know, without revealing too much is my favourite type of session, you know what I mean? So, uh, um, so yeah, uh, I mean, the time that I came into running as well, um, it was really at the point where the, I guess I guess my period of flux was just kind of beginning, which is starting to settle down a little bit now, but yeah, but it's definitely helped. Brilliant. Well, let's talk a wee bit about your running career then, right? So what I'd be interested in is, is kind of your journey into running. So what, where were you beforehand? When did running start to become something that was like deep and meaningful in your life? And how's that then grown since then? And, and, and what I'd be interested yeah. in as well is what, what and how did you get involved with piling? What brought you to this journey? Uh, oh, I've, I've got a funny story about that. Uh, um, well, in my opinion, right? Uh, right okay, so uh, the judge of this, <laughs> you're <going> now. <laughs> it's always a bold statement when you start something with, "Oh, this will be a funny story." You kind of sit there thinking, "Right, oh, I'll, we'll just well, we'll just you remember, end. Alec. I'll, if we if we laugh, it might just be in sympathy. So that's the thing to remember. Uh, no, no, so no, no. <laughs> well, um. So I mean, before before I ran, I've always uh, I've always looked at challenges. Um, certainly, like you know, physically and, and mentally, and I've always kind of had this uh, 
desire to try and, you know, push myself. In fact, you know, and it's, it sounds, it's almost like a character flaw. It's like I do something as a challenge and then once I've done it, I would just go, oh, well, I've done that now and then move on to the next thing. Um, but in, in running, I've actually found that there's always, there seems to always be something more out there. You know, a way that you can tweak it or move it to, to make it a little bit more challenging. Mm. Um, mm. So uh, I used to, I used to, I used to box, I used to do like tie box, and I used to do that competitively, uh, like at a decent level. Um, I've done long distance kind of cycling stuff. Um, then I used to just, you know, do workouts for the sake of working out and things like that. And then hmm. a young man by the name of Graham Conley, I'm not sure if you've met him before, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's been known to carry strong opinions. Uh, <laughs> If anyone's been in his company. I thought you were going to say bags of lentils there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just mug him for his lentils, right? Um, mm-hmm. now, uh, now, Graham and I uh, had a conversation um, where he was he was doing these things called ultra marathons and, uh, and I was doing like, long distance kind of cycles. And he might have, uh, you know, berated me somewhat for... for uh, for for wearing lycra and riding a bike, you know what I mean, and being like, oh, I bet you could do an ultra type thing. I'm paraphrasing. That's just what I heard. You know, what I mean, he might have said something a little bit yeah. more uh, supportive than that, but that's what I heard. And so I kind of said, "Well, tell you what, I'm going to do one of these things, and I'm going to do it within, I think, a plucked like a reasonable timeline out there." Having, by the way, never ran before, really. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I said, ah, do you know what? Within within three years is what I said. From no running, within three years, I'm going to run, you know, an ultra because I thought, you know, that that's enough respect to give the the sport and uh, plus uh, enough time to convince myself that I like it, right? And uh, and because of him, basically, uh, and somebody saying, I bet you can't do this. Uh, that's kind of what got me into running. Um, and, uh, and that's where the journey effectively started, that kind of lit the touch paper. And what was the first race you were working towards, Ali? Um, I've done the classic, uh, I'm just going to start with a 10k. So I did a 10k. Uh, but that was never my goal. Yeah. Uh, before I even laced up my trainers to do that, I was like, I'm going to do an ultra but I need to start small and work my way up. Um, and uh, I'd already decided that uh, Jedra was going to be my first. Um, right. So I was working to, and that's 38 miles for Jedra. Um, but the first race that I did, the first one I did, was a Paisley 10k. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. And, uh, and the oh, I. Uh, uh, just recently been run actually this year but um, uh, and then straight off the back of that I went into the Glasgow Half Marathon and then off the back of that I did the inaugural Stirling Marathon which mm-hmm. was the first and last time I would ever step foot on that course but that's another podcast entirely I, um, I ran that Ali I ran, I ran that, that one the, looped, the looped one the... yeah 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 on the cobble I finished fifth in that 
I finished fifth. <laughs> I never I ever got my prize money. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> it was oh, horrific. Oh, Wasn't the end shoot or something a bit of a mess and people were getting mixed up at the yeah. end and stuff like that or something? Because sure. you actually it was, th- you went- it was a three loop course at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was brutal. Wasn't going down under underpasses and you were getting caught in the yes. traffic and the, yeah. all the runners. So by the time I got to my third loop, the whole marathon was running this loop and there was people yeah. just walking, yep. holding hands and stuff, and it was brutal. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was dread- dreadful, dreadful setup. You know, absolutely dreadful. Um. But uh, but I, I wasn't put off. <laughs> uh, I remember, in fact, um, I remember camping up at like mile nineteen or something like that, you know. Um, but but after that, I went. Uh, in fact, after that, I raced uh, something called the Great Wilderness Challenge, which is up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Wester Ross. It's up, up run by a mm-hmm. uh, I think yeah. it's in Alt Bay, Hong, that, that kind of area. Some beautiful yeah. country up there, and still yeah, yeah. to this day, one of the most stunning places I've ever ran. Um, uh, and that was like a 23 mile, uh, what they'd call a mountain marathon, I guess. Um, uh, and then off the back of that, um, I think I ran 30 mile along the Oxide as a training run, and then into Jedburgh. Wow. Oh. And that was that was me starting, um, and uh, so I ran Jedbra, uh, pretty much just uh, because I worked with Graham. Um, I pretty much just tagged myself onto his training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I piggybacked some of his runs. What are you doing, mate? And then just copied him mm-hmm. um, whenever I could. And other than that, uh, I tried to join running clubs and things like that, but never never really found my my place with them. Um, yeah, I think just because uh, you know what my goals were, just weren't really supported by the what I would call traditional structure of like, a Scottish running club because they're looking for a ten k or a half marathon runner. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so I did that. Then from after the back of doing my first one, I basically just sat in my backside and did nothing like all winter, thinking <laughs> nice one because no idea, right? And then. Uh, I remember Graham asked me, he's like, so you've done no training? I'm like, oh no. Um, he kind of chuckled because we both went in for a, the same race next, which I think was the entire way. Uh, yeah. I did that. Um, and then after doing the entire way, I actually I placed uh, higher than I thought I would ever place in any race ever. Off the back of that, um, which made me think, huh, maybe I'm okay at this. Um, maybe yeah. if I get a bit of coaching and structure, then I might be better at this. Um, and so it was at that point where I actually got in touch with Paul. But this was not the start of my pylon coaching journey. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that that year in particular, I think, was a bit of a busy year. Uh, but I think Paul had a lot of you know, like the Western States thing going on, and um, uh, and communication uh, wasn't exactly uh, at the level it is now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was still in the early years of uh, uh, pylon coaching, I think. Um, 
It was just me, all right. It was just me. Let's just get it out there. It was just me. Maybe I, maybe I missed the odd email or two or something. I don't know, but none of it was intentional. Oh, mate, I know, I know, I know, I know. Sorry. I, do you know, here's the thing, right? Do you know when uh, Do you know when I reminded Paul of this as well? Right? We were sat, we were, um, <laughs> it was the first endeavour. And I think we were. We had met, this is our first, this is the first time we'd met, right? And, uh, and so Paul says, hey, man, you know, how you doing? And I'm shaking your hand, I'm all right, I'm Ali. I'm the, I see. I said something just total cutting remark, which I understand now. At that time, you didn't know me, but knowing me now, it'd be more it, yeah. still inappropriate. But it's like you would take it in the <laughs> the sentiment that you know was intended, and I'm like, ah, I am the guy you ignored, uh, and you're like, what? <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, like, attacked, uh, and I'm like uh-huh. just making a joke about it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, but I uh, so it was slightly awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. Um, at, but, at least uh, you've checked Wally and forgot all about it. Eh? I know exactly. Well, exactly. I don't remember the moment at all. Um, yeah, it's very, very faint in my memory. But it's, um, it was actually a strategic decision, you know, because it, it, people need to prove that they're they're committed enough you know they've got to go through <laughs> got to go through the trial of getting through the email forest yeah, before, before, before they can join the team maybe tempered in the fire of rejection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it it's made you want it even more Ali that's, that's what's, that's yeah, what's no, brought this totally, man, totally, success totally, totally. If, anyone, if anyone knows anything about me it's that I'm hungry uh, also, also <laughs> that's very true also, yeah. also for training and let's talk to uh, but um, yeah. because because I'd made my mind up after what was almost my first year um, of training for and taking part in two ultras, I'd made my mind up at that point that uh, I was going to run a, the Highland Fling. Uh, mm-hmm. I just decided. Just I had no idea that how it's actually a difficult race to get into. Um, I just made my mind up and decided that's what I was going to do. Um, and uh, and I wanted to do it with some structure to see if I could have a real go at it. Um, and uh, and actually, and I started I actually started coaching uh, shortly after that. I'd, I approached someone else, um, and uh, and I got coaching uh, with the intention of taking me through until uh, the Iron Fling. So so that was that was actually about the middle of 2018 then, um, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, I mean, God, I could go through my races chronologically, I guess, but uh, but I, I ran Jebra again, uh, improved my time massively, uh, then came at the back of a winter training um, and went into the fling, uh, ran my first ever fling with a respectable fling time, um, and uh, and then after the fling approached Paul again for coaching after I think I was actually feeling gubbed after the fling to be honest and I, I took a break for about a month mm-hmm. um, and then approached the Paul again and then I was deemed worthy <laughs> to, to, to don the pile on colours uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, that, but that was it it was uh, basically towards the end of mm-hmm. summer 2019 uh, was when I got into uh, the pylon setup. Uh, 
yeah. And do you think this has been the longest you've been committed to one sport? You've kind of mentioned earlier that maybe you'll do something, you'll take it off, and then you'll move on to something new. Does this feel like something that's going to be um, a, a longer part of your life? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we've not quite tipped over that point yet, right? Because the longest thing I yeah. stuck with was um, was a uh, tie boxing, um, but mm. but uh, that's that itself has a lifespan for other reasons, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I can yeah. never see myself now not running. Yeah, um, it's such a huge part, um, you know, of of my day to day and. Um, yeah, it's just it's just totally it's gripped me, and uh, and and I love the sport for it, you know, because I just love being outside as well and just the places it takes me. That, that used to be the thing with the cycling was I could yeah. cover more ground, so I could see more stuff. But there's places yeah. you can run where you can't go with a bike, right? Um, yep. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, this Thank is cool. very good. This is me for as long as I can do it. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the main reason I thought you'd be great to talk to regarding this whole attack approach to dealing with uh, the challenges that you might face in races uh, was initially because of what I saw from you last year at the West Highland Way Days. Um, it was last year, wasn't it? Um, uh, I was crewing for someone else, but you were into aid stations a bit before they were. Uh, so especially in the second half, I felt like I saw you quite a lot. And in a way, yeah. you kind of get to see a roller coaster of feelings in a race when you can see the same person, you know, 10 miles on or six miles on each time. And sometimes your runner's going to come in feeling strong, positive. Obviously, other times they've maybe hit a slump or have had a problem. But in that race, it looked to me anyway um, that you did an incredible job on the mental side of things. That uh, it probably felt to me like one of the best executed 100 milers that I've seen in person. So, like, it was really great for me to see that. Um, and I wondered if you could maybe tell us a bit more about that race in particular and then maybe how you tackled the tougher points, which I didn't see. It didn't look as if you were going through the really tough points, but I'm sure you were. So, um, yeah, if you could maybe tell us a bit more about the race and um, any of the challenges you faced in that. Uh, sure. Um, first of all, Thank, thank you for the chuck ups. I guess you know what I mean. Uh, um, I mean, I've come out. I came out the other side of that, uh, feeling a lot of love for that race. Like I loved it. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. It, it was great. I had a, I had a great day out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, how did I get there? I suppose. Um, I mean, I had an idea about what I wanted to do. Uh, quite far out. Um, what I felt I was capable of achieving, uh, providing all things go well in training and on the day, etc., etc., etc. And uh, and I think what absolutely benefited me was that. So we're looking at. I mean that was twenty twenty two West Highland Way, right? Um, so I'd ran that course um in parts and you know and then multiply that up in its totality the amount of times i've been out there on training runs i have been i've covered every inch of that route multiple times right so from running the fling in 2019 to then present myself at the start line of the west highway in 2022 uh, you know you, you know the ground pretty well 
So when I was mm-hmm. looking at my plan and what I wanted to achieve, I felt reasonably confident in uh, what I was asking of myself. Um, now, things actually changed before I hit the start line because I had a bit of a... I was actually carrying an injury the year before. Um, I came out the back of... Uh, I don't want you to digress from like, the West Highland Way race at all, but I came out the back of a pion exposure uh, event that was put on. I did the 24-hour um, event of that. And about a month after that, um, I had a, a suspected stress fracture and <laughs> uh, I'd let in my, in my pelvis... Uh, and uh, I had a torn uh, adductor uh, and I took a long time to kind of get back from that and even trying to build this towards the West Highland Bay race there was still evidence of that and it was almost a consideration so that kind of raised its head a bit in the month leading into the West Highland Bay race and so what happened was my mindset shifted and uh, instead of my target being as bold as it was, I just kind of uh, reframed it um, and mm-hmm. made it a little bit more achievable. And uh, what happened was I sat down, I had a really good team of people around about me um, who, who effectively allowed me to just utilise them in roles. Uh, I'm very much kind of, this is the way I would like things done. Um, so if you do it that way, then everything will be fine. And as long as everyone nods, and that's okay. Uh, and, uh, and everyone that was my support crew all pulled together to get me uh, the right support that I needed at the right times. Now, what that looked like then was that I produced effectively a timeline, not for target times uh, for hitting certain points, but more of a kind of, I don't want to be hitting like Bamaha before this time. So Mm. the danger for me in that type of race is going out too hard, putting in too much effort early on and not leaving enough in the tank for the latter stages. Um, so, and that's something that I felt I managed very well. Uh, I was pretty much within five minutes of my predicted times at each point. Um, and uh, my crew was there at the right place at the right time with all the right stuff. Um, and uh, I'd prepped up the yin yang. I'd, I'd, I'd been training with the fuel that I was intending to use for the race, like for for months out. Um, I think I had enough options there for like, uh, you know, a, a John Cassidy esque buffet. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um, but it wasn't without its tough points, but it's, but. Paul, what you've alluded to was uh, when you were seeing me come into aid stations or, or like, you know, yeah. checkpoints, which is where you would have seen me. Um, and uh, I very much get this mindset of, like, 
a drive. I am very self-driven. Um, I don't feel like I ever need any real external uh, cajoling to kind of chin up. In fact, it kind of it almost annoys me if somebody, <laughs> if somebody needs to kind of tell me, you know, like, come on, get your chin up. Well, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a deliberate effort on my part to demonstrate positivity and well-being and good energy, good vibes, because I know that that's, I wanted that back from the people that I was coming in to see. Um, mm. And I kind of feed off that, you know, so if I present that uh, to everyone else, then that's what I'm going to get back, um, which, you know, was absolutely, you know, I wasn't like kidding on, like I was actually really enjoying it, you know. Um, but there were times, like I think the, the worst time I had um, uh, was really going across uh, Ranald Moor between um, Tindrum and uh, Bridge of Orkey. Uh, sorry, um, between Bridge of Orkey, sorry, and uh, Glencoe Ski Centre, uh, specifically that bit. Uh, I just, it's really not my favourite part of the route. Uh, at all. As much as the views are lovely, um, the underfoot leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I'd rather go up and down the Devil's Staircase a uh, hundred times than, than run that section. Uh, um, but Which also happened to be the section that I ran with you, Paul, when you did your end-to-end trail. Uh, which That's right. I thought, yeah. Was, yeah. I thought was hilarious. I was like, oh, nice one. This is my least favourite section. Um it was a lovely day, and for me, actually, yeah. it felt really nice because I had some company. It was, it was like a yeah, one of the best yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a really nice day. Uh, that was you and I and uh, Martin, I think. Um, uh-huh. that, yeah. uh, it was a good crew. Yeah, um, but uh, that that was really my uh, that was really my darkest time. I think was like coming out of there because uh, I don't know if you remember, but the weather prediction for the race was meant to be twenty four degrees and sunny. Right, and everyone was like, "Okay, get a factor fifty on, plenty of water." When we were thinking about ice, this and next thing, how we're going to keep people cool. And then, by the time the race hits uh, Tinderman and beyond, um, we're talking about mandatory full body covers by the time we get to Bridge of Orkey, uh, because now the weather's changed, and it was—I uh, don't even know the speed of it was. It was windy and it was wet um, when you got to the northern part of the course. Um, fortunately for me, that's not something that really feeds into my psyche that much. Um, weather's weather. Like The only guarantee is that there will be some. Um, so there's very much an element of like a control the controllables, right? And then everything else will just be. So... Uh, so yeah, when when I I don't know when I got past Glencoe, um, and the weather turned, I think I could have got right down on myself. I think I took a bit of time and kind of leaving, got a, some chips to my neck, and then I was feeling good at that point. Uh, and then the goal was always to try and get to kind of leaving as comfortably and as unscathed as possible. And then from 
the, after the climb out of Kinloch Leaven, when you get onto uh, the the Larg Moor, then empty the tank. Unless you see what you can do over this, which was great because I was just passing people all the time. And what a boost that is, you know. Um, unashamedly passed uh, Kevin Banks, who was spewing at the side of the trail, uh, being assisted by, I don't know who was pacing him, but he, somebody with him. I, I ran the whole thing um, without any support runners either, um, uh, which, again, I don't think I would change that either. Um, yeah, because then like, I think a support runner is almost obliged to check in with you all the time. Um, and it's not necessarily something that for me I, I benefit from. Um, you know, as I intimated earlier, I'm very kind of self driven. Uh, and all that would do is make me, I think it would make me overanalyze. Like, why are you asking me if I'm okay? You know, do I not look okay? Uh, but um, but no, it was it was great. It was great. I felt still felt loose, free, fast. You know, if I saw somebody up ahead, I was like right target, and I was just picking that person off. Then next person, next person, and my goal was to make sure that nobody passed me on that on that session. And I think I had one guy try and pass me, and then I just found another gear for somewhere and lost him as well. So. I had, had a great session, had a great race, really enjoyed it. But key to that was, uh, I think, making my end goal more achievable because the, what I got in the end was way off what I had initially set out to do when I'd started planning for that race. Um, so uh, making sure it was, you know, achievable, but still, you know, an achievement, right? Uh, but not beyond what my capability was on that day. It's really interesting, Ali, when you talk that through, right? Because one of the reasons, as Paul said, we, we, we brought you on here to talk about, you know, the, the epitome of attack when we've talked about on previous podcasts and you're rolling into this mm. session with you, is what you hear coming through there a lot in your West Highland Way kind of journey both to the race and during the race is that whole thing about your awareness and your thought process. And we talk about A and attack being awareness and then T being thinking. Um, and I, it was it sounds like what you done was is you spent a lot of time taking in taking in what you were trying to do and achieve, being fully engaged with that, and then ensuring that you drove the experience you wanted to get from that, which is kind of one of the fundamentals of what we talk about, right? Um, but what's interesting then is you have this kind of positive, controlled, you know, enjoyable, maybe even lifetime highlight experience from a, certainly from a running point of view in the West Highland Way. And then this year you go and do something different um, and you go and do the Cataran Trail. The, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Cataran Trail is like 50, I think 55 miles running around um Perthshire, Glenshee area. Um, and I'd like to hear about that because I think we might hear a different experience, um, which is what we want to explore a wee bit. Um, yeah, it was that, you know, was, was that a foreshadowing sympathy laugh? But we have that different experience, right? So why, why, why Cataran? And how did you feel before you got to the start line? So... 
Okay, let's. Why Cataran? Um, now, strangely enough, that was a race that I had looked at um, before. Uh, I think before I even looked at the West Highland Way, and it was just something that was on my radar. I think I'd known. Uh, I knew Paul had done it. I knew John Conley had had, had done it, and uh, both ran it pretty well. And it was a place that I'd never been before. Um, and it just kind of, I was like, I wonder what that'll be like. Uh, and uh, and it just, it just, I think I'd, I'd actually signed up to do it in 2020. So the idea was, is this was, this was meant to be something on my journey towards like the West Highland Way race. Um, because it was it was the next distance after the fling, effectively, right? Um, but obviously, the 2020 race didn't happen. Um, we went into lockdown and and then everything after that, right? Uh, so when I was looking at things that I might want to do for my prep for this year, because I didn't really see it as a, as like a a highlight or an A race or that, and maybe that that's Maybe this is also lends itself to the type of day that I had. Um, I don't think I maybe paid enough attention to it, possibly. Um, uh, and uh, so, so anyway, I'm signed. I'm signed up for it, right? And I'm like, I think it was just it was one of these kind of things that was almost at the back of my head because I never got to do it. Uh, and I was looking, just looking for things to do. I think it's, I think I'd, I'd maybe considered doing the fling, but that got cancelled, um, or, or they just decided, you know, they weren't going to do it. I think this year. Um, uh, and believe it or not, I was kind of trying. I was looking for um, a not all that competitive race either. Because it seems to be yeah. that every race I, I go to, everyone else turns up at it. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, right, okay. And, which is great, right? Okay, but it just, uh, you know, there's some days you think you might have done a bit better. Uh, but, you know, you can only race against who you race against, right? So then yep. I think shortly after I signed up for it, it turns out that's the Scottish Ultra Championships. Matt, brilliant. Here we go again. Everyone's seen what I've signed up for. Um, but uh, so now in comparison to how well I know the West Highland Way route I don't know the Cataran route at all and yeah. I only managed to get up there once um, in my prep for the race I poured over as much information as I could about the route but there's actually not a lot out there Um one of the biggest uh, blogs I actually got about it was one of Paul's first uh, running blogs, um, which uh, which kind of just uh, it charts like Paul's uh, initial, I think, uh, you know, steps into into ultra running. Paul, Paul, I think it was one of your earlier races, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was definitely the first year, so it was maybe the third race. Did it come after the fling or before it? I think it was after. Uh, it? I think after. Yeah. So yeah, it must have been like my yeah. third, third, third race ever. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
so I think he, and obviously I'm the other side of it, right? So hindsight is wonderful, but you know I've picked this apart. Um, so I'm already less aware of the terrain. Um, mm. I've not had my feet on the ground that much because what I did is I did an out and back section. So straight away I'm halfing, you know, my visibility of the of the distance I'm going to cover. Right, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know I'll do a, a 25 mile out and back, which means I'm only actually, uh, you know, going to see like 14 uh, miles of the course or whatever. Well. I'm giving away my dreadful maths there, right? Uh, but I, but like tw- 12 and a half miles of the course, well. Um, so, uh, when I went up there on the day, um, it was also the start of what was a freakish week of weather. Now, <laughs> whether that's contributory or not, also, I don't know, because everyone had to deal with the same heat and not everyone had the same day that I had. Um, my <laughs> my nutritional prep was no way near as uh, clinical as it was uh, for my West Highland Way race, um, and uh, because I had run, actually when I did my out and back session, I decided to run from the finish line, you know, backwards kind of thing, so that I was coming over the final section with tired legs. Right, that was my theory. I'm like. It'll be fine. I won't need to wreck at the start of it because there'll be lots of other people there. I'll just be able to, yeah. you know, mooch along with them. Plus, I had a GPX and things like that as well. But um, as it turned out, on the day, there was a nice low-hanging fog, um, which meant that visibility was somewhat uh, obscured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of... It kind of zigzags through some fields on not too well-defined um, trail. Uh, the the Cataran, some parts of it, and I'm just being honest here, <laughs> some parts of it is effectively a wooden post with a sign on it at one side of a field. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other part of the trail is somewhere over the other side of that field with no real So it's like the sense. Penine way? Aye, aye, no real sense of like... You know, which where's my exit point here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, if I had more time to head up there and wreck it, then I would be far more aware of that. Uh, yeah, but that resulted in because uh, I started off, I think I, I was in with like the second kind of pack of runners which was fine. That was great for me. I'm where I wanted to be, running reasonably comfortably. Um, no issues at all, other than some minor navigational errors. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm still with a kind of group of people that are also making minor navigational errors. It's okay. Um, but then this, this keeps happening. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, right. And I think I came out of a second checkpoint, I think it's a second checkpoint, and I'm come up come up a hill. And as I'm do, coming out the climb, I've managed to open up a gap between the, the folk that would come in at the checkpoint with me. So I've worked hard deliberately to try and open up a gap on these folk. But then I've came to another one of these fields with no real sense of direction as to where my exit point is. 
and I was wandering around this field. I've had to ask some uh, hikers if they knew where the trail was because my GPX is like all over the place. I'm like, it tells me I'm going across here, but I can't see anything. And uh, and I just lost loads of time. And I think by the time I got back on the trail, I was trying to, you know, take a line as the crow flies down through this wood, which all it did was hinder me further because it wasn't runnable. Um, and, and I think I kind of, you know, I'm getting in my own head about it a bit. Because I'm like, right, geez, well, you just put all that work in. So now I'm having to work harder then to try and make up what I've lost, but mm. I've got no confidence in the nav. Um, as a result of that, I think I'm, I'm forgetting to eat. Uh, mm. so, so now my nutrition's low. Uh, I'm far too focused on chasing that. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know how you guys are with a consumption of food, right? But I tend to time mine where maybe my efforts aren't quite as hard, right? You know, it's all easy to eat when you're not trying to push that hard. When you're trying to breathe through the holes in your face, then shoving food in it normally <laughs> isn't the best combination, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I was doing a little bit more work whilst also not taking on as much food. So it was just like this perfect storm kind of setting itself up here. It was really humid. I was losing loads of fluid. Um, and uh, and I was coming, I think it was about mile 30, still doing okay. But then the wheels just started to come flying off spectacularly. Ali, looking looking back then at that point, mm-hmm. do you think there's like a stage of this attack principle that we've been talking about that you maybe got stuck at? And just as a reminder, obviously, awareness, thinking, action, and then, you know, changing that to a positive mindset. So you definitely never got to a, the positive mindset, but was it was it an awareness and thinking problem, do you think? Uh, I, I, what I think is that, f- first of all, uh, I think I had an overall lack of awareness of the route itself, right? Put me in a place that I probably could have avoided. Um, I think if I'd had that knowledge in the first instance, then I would have been more comfortable with my, my environment, right? Then my thinking was like skewed by, I think, my lack of clarity because of the environmental conditions coupled with like my own kind of like uh, my own browbeating of myself. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, come on. You know, I'm like, geez, oh, because I knew, you know, when I'd made these mistakes, I'm like, there's nobody else to blame at all. <laughs> like, you know, um, and then and then that lends itself to, so the action that I took wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. I should have, I should have slowed right down and dialed back what my intentions were. So the difference is, is that I still wanted to perform at my initial target yeah. for that race, yeah. despite everything else going on around about me, despite you know what what I was literally faced with, I was still convincing myself that 
I could make up. I could make up the time here. I could make up the time. You know, uh, and I, I just got further into a hole, and my body just decided to go, not today. Um, and yeah, and I, I cramps and stomach cramps, and then I couldn't take on anything, and yeah, real, real dark time. <laughs> it's the worst I've felt any race ever. You know, uh, yeah, I still finished. So it does kind of, it, it does, it does kind of sound like it was an awareness problem, James. You've probably been in a similar spot. Yeah, on more occasions than I would like, and and I think the way you tell that story, Ali, is is it's almost quite, it's almost like really hard to listen to you telling it because I can hear it unraveling, and I can hear every hindsight intervention just dropping. But I think the, the, the thing that you see from that um, more than anything else is, is you've learned from that experience. You talk about what you learned, you know, you've reflected on it. But you also know that there's probably five, six, seven points during that race where just a wee bit more awareness, just a wee bit more clarity of thinking would probably have flipped that um, experience 180 on its head for you. Is that is that fair? Yes, oh, absolutely, 100%. I was so... I'd actually got to a point where I'd convinced myself it was a rubbish, it was a rubbish day. Do you know what I mean? And I just I would committed to suffering then for the remainder of it, you know. Um, yeah. Which I've never, I have never experienced that type of um, headspace before or since, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was a strange place to be as well, and I, I've kind of like, you know, I've reflected on it since then, you know. Uh, and I think I've probably nailed, you know, how I got there, I guess, you know what I mean? But I think it was, it was probably mostly during it, uh, the more the awareness was that uh, I, don't, I just don't think I gave it the respect it was due, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And and I think, Ali, it's really interesting, right, because you've got the benefit of hindsight, right, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and all those kind of rubbishy phrases, right? But... <clears throat> What what you've really what you've really hit upon there is 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 ultimately being in control, um, and that's both in control of your thinking and your actions, right? Um, so we talk about the attack model: awareness, thinking, action, and then you know, kick ass is really a kind of a nice way of turning the um, the affirmation into a positive mindset. And a tap doesn't sound as good, for being honest, right? <laughs> do you think do you think that model now that you've been through that experience, are you more resilient? And if you were in the same circumstances again? Would, do you think you would reach for that toolkit and apply it? Um, yeah, I think it's useful, definitely. I think um, it's the the acronym itself kind of embodies things that I believe I embrace anyway, generally. But it would act certainly as a good aid memoir for you know future planning, and even not even for the planning phases of things, but to kind of have it, you know, in your head at various points, like during the race, you know, I normally kind of do a self-checking anyway, but uh, it's it's something I'm going to carry forward, absolutely. And and the thing is, though, right, I I, I totally agree with you. You're an embodiment of that mindset. The way you talked about the West Highland Way, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this guy's like, he's just like totally aligned to that. But even when it's something that's innate and you're you're kind of like almost like you're kind of unconscious being, 
when you lose control of that unconscious being like you did at Cataran, you have to work hard to even make that innate trait still be something that you can use as a force for good, right? So even though it's innate in you, sometimes you have to remind yourself of what your kind of traits are and what your kind of what your you know your kind of triggers are for being resilient and being positive and being effective. And I think that feels to me like what you kind of what you fell away from at Cataran because you you moved you almost moved from that. I'm here to enjoy the experience. I'm here to compete, but not to get drawn in. You know, I'm going to manage my own race to actually almost catastrophizing when things started going awry and that just became a cumulative effect of of doom almost that meant that your experience yeah. just wasn't what it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You've, it's a, you've given it, that's a pretty accurate summation there, James, you know, the, the word gay, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I'm a word guy. Write that down, Paul. But what's going on? I've said that James is sometimes get a better. James can sometimes put into words what I'm thinking better than I can. I don't know if I, well, I don't know if I'm scared of that because I know sometimes what you're thinking might not I'm only kidding <laughs> um, but in, in all seriousness though Ali what's brilliant about that right is, is that no two experiences are the same and you've just walked us through two of the most incredible races in Scotland right those are like the Cataran is beautiful it's brilliant and it was in a, a championship mm-hmm. and frankly the West Highland way for me is the Blue Ribbon Ultra Marathon in Scotland right I know people think the flying and maybe the devil but I think putting the two of them together is that I think it's the ultimate goal for me in Scotland and you've just shown just how you prepare and then how you um, react on the day can be the difference between perceived success and fulfillment and enjoyment and well misery Maybe I'm being extreme mm-hmm. with that language. So I think well, it's brilliant, no, you, brilliant you took the time to share that story with us. Yeah, and, and to kind of line them up uh, side by side, as you have, James, right? Here's the here's the juxtaposition, I guess it puts, is because um, I love the West Highland Way. I love that race. Now, the danger is, for me, that I would love to go out and do that again. But if I approach that with a different mindset, I might have a day out like I had at the Cataran. <laughs> so and that's the big fear. I would never want to go out and have an experience less than what I had at the West Highland Way now. Yeah, that's a tricky one. It's always a risk, Ali, but um, yeah, yeah. the payoffs the payoffs can be can be huge. But yeah, you always run that risk, I guess. Okay, that was great. Um, I'm kind of conscious of time now. Um, we're almost at the hour. So, Ali, um, can we maybe ask you what's what's next for you in terms of your running, quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, I'll be heading over uh, stateside. I'm uh, going across to Tennessee. I'm going to have a wee run around the park. Um, and the, the, park. the Bartley Fall, the Bartley Fall Classic. <laughs> Um, nice. So, so yeah. When it comes to not being able to recce a route and the dangers that that faces, then you know I'm certainly throwing myself, throwing myself to the wolves here. Um, some some so, routes yeah. are better off not wrecked, Ali. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> to be honest. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. uh, that yeah. is, um, and, so, and of course, Bartley doesn't have low hanging fog and trees and direct misdirection, so we're nothing like Cataran. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, exactly. Be a skish. A skish. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably give that uh, 
give that the respect it's due on the day. We'll just uh, we'll just uh, try and get out the other side of it. Oh, it'll be a bit amazing to see how you got on there. And then a question for you. Um, and I know you had a brilliant experience um, before. Would you be up for another pile in Endeavour? And if, um, especially Absolutely. if maybe if I, if I made a comeback and joined the team, would that attract you more? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm just I'm salivating at the prospect. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was actually an amazing thing to be part of, um, and wow. humbled uh, by you know just by being at, you know given that opportunity to take part in it. So Some it of the most life affirming stuff you can do. Well, I tell you what, Ali, I'll get my people to call your people, and we'll set something up. <laughs> plan. Nice. Nice. Okay, Ali, thanks so much for uh, giving some time to do this. We absolutely love your energy and your passion and your commitment to this sport. And you've probably single-handedly put the Pylon XP event project budget into the red on four or five occasions, <laughs> such as your enormous appetite. But uh, with that <laughs> second and third helping every meal you've given, you've also given a lot to a lot of people who come to these events. And the Pylon family is a much better one for having <clears throat> you, the crazy brother that you know is just going to say something very inappropriate at the most appropriate point. So thank you so much for today, James. Um, I echo your I echo your words, especially around the appetite, Ali. It's been a delight to speak to you, especially how you, how you, how you articulated and brought your story to life. It's it's both um, it's inspiring and it's um, humbling at the same at the same time. Thank you so much, mate. Well, guys, it's it's always a pleasure to spend time in the company of both of you, anyway. So, uh, look, cheers, thanks for having. Yeah, us. good. Well, Paul, we'll wrap it up there then. Yep. 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 Well, thank you so much for listening. Those of you who are on the other side, I hope you enjoyed Ali's story and you've taken something useful from the series. You can go back and listen to all six episodes of the Attack series that lead up to this as well. We regard them as a, a useful reference for you to find out more about our thinking and just apply these tools in both your life and your running. So please stay tuned because we have some more to come. We've got another subject we're brewing right now. You can probably hear the kettle whistling in the background. Stay tuned and follow us on socials for updates. Thank you for listening. I am James Stewart. I'm Paul Giblin. And you have been listening to the Pylon Ultra Pod. Yeah, there's Ali jumping in. Oh man, we forgot about Ali. Oh man, I'm James Stewart. <laughs> I'm Paul Giblin. I'm Ali McCall. <laughs> and you've been listening to the Pylon Ultra Pod. Sweet. quick message before you move on to your next queued podcast if you've had anything useful from these episodes please leave us a review on the podcast we don't get many reviews even when we ask nicely but when we do it kind of encourages us to keep on going if you want to get more involved with pylon please check out our social media stuff we're pretty active on instagram and we have a small facebook group which anyone can join whether you're coached or not if you want to know more about coaching or training programs, you can look us up at pylonultra.com. We have a brilliant coaching team and we have a few spaces to fill if you're quick. 
We also have just a training program option. The plans are bespoke for your race and it's a simple one-off fee. It's a great way to take the guesswork and uncertainty out of your training. Overall, we just want to help people to have the same kind of experiences that we've been lucky to have through our own running. It's an incredible sport and we firmly believe it makes us better people. You don't have to have a big budget or any budget to get involved with us, so please do check out the website. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and remember, every feeling that you experience is the shadow of a thought. It's not an accurate reflection of the world around you. We live in the feeling of our thinking, not the feeling of our actual circumstances. Speak to you soon. Cheers.